you're trying to run But you can never hide I like the mountains We always get our man We're not the mountains We're handsome We're brave We're strong We're not the mountains Cause we enforce the law You can try to run But you can never hide I like the mountains Presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw and Doug. If you'd like hearing knock-knock jokes or jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else. Oh! Oh my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. This is a uh, special visitor, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. It was a very rough feud to go through with Rick. It was a very bitter feud, too. He certainly didn't like me at that time. I didn't like him, and we were both trying to be at the top. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't beat me. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid I... They knew they could kick the shit out of me. At this point, well, I'll be at a signing, and little kids will come up to me and throw up the click sign or talk about, oh, your ladder match with Sean at WrestleMania 10. I go, wait a minute, you weren't even a glimmer in your dad's eye. But yeah, bro, it's really flattering and, and amazing and humbling. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is the flagship episode, a part of the TMPT Podcasting Empire. I am your host, JP John Paz. And on today's podcast, we have a returning guest who is a former WWF Intercontinental Champion, a former three-time WWF World Tag Team Champion. Of course, you may know him as a fabulous Rougeau brother or a Quebecer or a Mountie. He is Jacques Rougeau. This is the second time on the program for Jacques, and he is just an awesome guest. He's the ideal guest 
for the two-man power trip of wrestling. So many uh, great stories, so many high points in the career to kind of go back and look at. But really, the focus of today's episode was to promote his podcast. He's got a new podcast, the Rougeau Podcast, Father and Son, which will soon be available in English. It is available right now in French. And they are working on some videos as well, and you will have that available in a subtitle. So really, really good stuff. And if you pay attention to the first podcast, George St. Pierre, UFC legend and icon, GSP, joins the show. And Jacques mentions he's got a lot of famous friends, a lot of buddies along the way that he will have on the show. And I think it's really cool to kind of think about the possibilities of guests. And he already has a bunch lined up, like... Brett the Hitman Hart and Abdul the Butcher, so as well as Kurgan, if you remember him from the WWF days. So he's got a lot of cool and unique people lined up. Even maybe look out for a podcast with Selene Dion. So he's got a lot of cool stuff coming down the pike for sure. And he said the best part of doing this podcast is that it's with his son. And I think that's awesome. A father and son duo dominating the podcast world is really, really cool. And the lineage and legacy of the Rougeau family is insane, going back well a ways. And he was talking about his great uncle, obviously his father, Jacques Sr., his other uncle, Johnny Rougeau, obviously his brother, Raymond, as well. So, I mean, there's so much family legacy and lineage going on with the Rougeaus. It is ridiculous. So just think about all the memories that they've had. And in fact, as far as just Jacques and as far as just this interview, we will talk about some great WWF moments as well as WCW. And of course, that means beating the immortal Hulk Hogan clean in Canada. We'll talk all about that. Very, very cool stuff and kind of a shocking moment for me as a fan back then. Love talking about it now. Of course, we'll talk about the WWF beating Bret Hart for the WWF Intercontinental Championship only holding the title for two days and then losing it to Rowdy Roddy Piper. We'll talk about the feud with the Big Boss Man, the Jailhouse Match. We'll even go back to the days of the fabulous Rougeau brothers. We'll talk about his history with Raymond, where they're at right now in their current relationship. We'll also rewind back to the days of the Rougeaus when they were wrestling the Hart Foundation, the Rockers, and of course the British Bulldogs. Speaking of the British Bulldogs, we'll talk about the Dynamite Kid fight where Dynamite Kid was bullying him and beat him up in the locker room and how he got his revenge by knocking out the teeth of one Dynamite Kid. And we'll talk all about that story as well. So there's so many good stories and facets to this. We'll even talk about the sold-out Montreal Forum in 1994 for the retirement match against Pierre, they had 16,000 people in attendance in Montreal that day. So that is some awesome stuff to relive as well. We'll talk about some theme songs, some different things as far as Jimmy Hart and kind of everything in between. A little bit of Vince McMahon, a little bit of Eric Bischoff, a little bit of what he is doing today. And obviously we'll touch again on the podcast. So speaking of podcasts, we'll talk about just for a minute here, the TMPT Empire and what we've got going on as far as other shows. And that would be Taskmaster Talks with Kevin Sullivan on the Creative Control Network. Just Incredibles Pro Wrestling 101, which is available right now on Vince Russo's YouTube channel. Also, speaking of Vince Russo, we have Shane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast, which is available on Vince Russo's The Brand. We've got Dr. Tom's Taking You to School, which is available on the TMPT feed. We've got the University of Dutch with Dutch Mantel, which is available on the MLW Radio Network. And last but certainly not least, Rick Bassman's Talking Tough, which is available on Podcast One. And, of course, and I can't forget this, Trump Mania, which is on Omni Studios and everywhere where you can get your podcasting feed. It is all about the Trumpster and Vince McMahon and WrestleMania. And my co-host on that one is Lavi Margolin, who wrote the great Trump Mania book. So check that all out. You can check out everything on TMPTEmpire.com. So many different things going on. It is absolutely mind-blowing. So... I'm going to send it on over to some TMPT business and then on over to the interview with the former WWF Intercontinental Champion, the former three-time WWF World Tag Team Champion, the one, the only Jacques Rougeau. And 
now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip, and at Raslin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Mike, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas' store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Automatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. on the line right now is a former a three-time WWF World Tag Team Champion, a former WWF Intercontinental Champion. You may know him as the Mountie or one of the fabulous Rougeau brothers. He is, of course, Jacques Rougeau. Jacques, welcome back to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, thank you very much. And you forgot, John, there. I could also be uh, the Quebecers. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. And not, I, I and never to, forget I, I, that. I was lucky. I, I I got a great run there. Three characters. It was great. So how are you doing, John? I am doing very good. I, you know, in this insane world we live in, I can't complain. Not that anybody would listen, but can't complain. Yeah, that's a good line. Who wants to hear bad news? <laughs> <laughs> True. So what is going on with you? You got the new podcast going on. George St. Pierre, GSP is the first guest. So how is everything going with the podcast? It's amazing. It's a, it's a new adventure, and uh, it's like I'm having a, a regain of life. Uh, uh, this is great. I, I, uh, if you would have asked me a month ago, I didn't know. I didn't even know what a podcast was, and uh, and it's my older son that inspired me because he kept telling me, you know, it's funny. For about a couple of months now, he kept talking about a guy called Joe Rogan or something like that. Or yep, or, yep. Does, does that ring a bell to you? Or absolutely, or, yeah. You got the number one podcast. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So my son's really hooked on that. And, and then he told me, he says, Dad, he says, with all the people you know, he says, you know, it's not only wrestlers, but you know everywhere and everybody from singing to, to music, I mean, to, 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 to even movies and to, to, to hockey players, baseball. I'm, I've done so many business with a lot of people during my career. So he gave me the idea to do this. And, and, and to tell you the truth, John, uh, I didn't expect the COVID to last this long, you know, and uh, and so I, I I wanted to wait standby and just sit back and because I've been, as you know, I've been doing stand up like comedy humoristic shows and and that was going really well for me until now I can't sell any more tickets I can't do any more shows so so I had to do something about it and uh, 
So I, uh, I said to my son, oh, well, what the hell, let's try it. And, uh, and, and that's what happened. So how has the experience been for you so far? Are you loving it? I love it. I'll tell you, I, I didn't know it was that much work <laughs> I, hmm. uh, because I'm not live yet. I'm going to go live eventually, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted to take care of things and uh, make sure that uh, the foundation was solid before I build my house. And uh, so I'm practicing and I'm doing editing and I'm doing all that stuff in studio. And uh, and we did two guests so far, actually three. Uh, we did two in French one and we did one in English with Abdullah the Butcher. And uh, and, and, and so I'm going to be doing Bret Hart. I'm going to start doing a lot of English guys eventually. And uh, But I like the fact that I could edit uh, and just put everything together. So we got footage. We got, I don't know if you've seen my podcast. I don't know, John, if you took a look at it. Yes, good stuff. Did you see the George St. Pierre one? Yeah. Yes, GSP. Yep. Yep. And so, so you saw the 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 way I'm set up there in like my tiki, and the, I, I try to bring this the tropics and the sunshine up to Quebec where it's cold. But uh, so I got these straw houses, a little straw house there with a with I got a, a palm tree in there, and I got a surfboard in there. <laughs> I try to make it look <laughs> like we're down south, but it's fun. It makes it a light, a nice atmosphere, and uh, and GSP, what a well, I, I know it was in French, but uh, and we're going to be getting also the uh, translation. We're working on that, so at least we have underneath uh, subtitles, you know, so so for both languages. But uh, but that's all in the making. And uh, but uh, to tell you the truth, John, I, I I don't think I bit on more than I could chew. I just didn't think I was chewing on beef jerky. Uh, <laughs> it just takes a long time to swallow everything we do. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah. Now, what is kind of some future guests? I know you, you mentioned Abdullah and Brett. So any other, maybe even outside of wrestling, some future guests that are, we should expect from the show? Of course. Well, I also have the giant Kurgan. I have a lot of, uh, uh, I have a lot of, uh, how can I say that? Uh, Quebec talent, uh, but I have some, some like I have the Rabbi of Pichy, which you may not know him as a name if I say that, Rabbi Pichy, but you may have heard it in the news uh, a while back, it must have been like maybe five, six, or maybe eight years ago, I can't remember, there was this pilot going in the air and the motor stopped, and there was 300 and some passengers, and he was over the island of, uh, uh, in the Fiji Islands or something like that, but have, he was an experienced pilot for about 40 years, and he knew this little island, and, he, and the motor stopped, and, and miraculously, he landed the plane with no motors, and he planned, he planned... Uh, yeah, and he and he became a hero. So I, I uh, I'm going to have him on the guest. To uh, contrary to all the newspapers and the media that came up to him, said, "Wow, what a hero! What a hero! He did this. He did that." They never took the time to ask him when he was in that freaking plane and the motor stopped. What was his first feeling? Like what hmm. what was going on in his mind? And I want to take him. Landing. I want to land with him in his mind. And I want to take the people landing with him to see what he was going through. And before he hit. And before all these things that, that people sometimes they overlook. So I like to, like I have Jacques Villeneuve, the indie driver. Uh, uh, the Villeneuve drivers, you know, like racing. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever heard of the Villeneuve. There was Gilles Villeneuve uh, who died. He was the most popular. And then, uh, the, no, that Jacques Villeneuve that died. And then Gilles Villeneuve, his son. Yeah. So Gilles Villeneuve died, and his son Jacques Villeneuve kept racing, and his uncle, which is uh, Jacques Villeneuve too. It's a big family of Villeneuve. So, so when his, uh, I'm taking him and his brother where where he was on the racetrack, and he was going down, and and he uh, before his brother died, uh, he was there, and and what was the, how did it happen, or why did it happen, and 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 how did you take it when you saw your brother been thrown like that? And then I had a video clip. I got a video clip where I'm showing the accident. And and, and so I like to go into the different eras. Uh, example: I got Mac Dupree. Mac Dupree is uh, one of the judges on The Voice in Quebec. Uh, so 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 I want to go through. I'm a I'm a music lover. So so I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm having my, my podcast. But I'm also going to talk to him about. Uh, uh, my son does music, and my son's on the podcast too. But he plays guitar and everything. But, but all this to say is, I wanna, I wanna get the feeling of how it is when, 
the contestant goes on the stage for the voice and her life is on the line, it's do or die situation because if you don't make it, you go home. And if your morale could take it to come back, power to you. But most of the people, they tell me that most of the people that don't make it the first time, they don't go back. So it's like, how does it feel, uh, the contestants? And I'll have an example of one or two contestants like uh, the, the the dry throat and the dry mouth. And But I want I want to take everybody into uh into context uh, of the things that happen that people sometimes just overlook and many times it's going to be uh some some older people like you know when you know how it is john when you hit the 40s and the 50s you could be a great singer and uh but 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 at the age of 50 you know a singer that brings out an album again it may not be as popular with the agent as it was 30 years ago. And, and she has to take the reject. And the fact that is there's younger people coming in, sexier people coming in. And so how does she live with the fact that she builds an album and no one takes it, you know? And, and, and so, so all these things, I'm going to go in different eras, but I, I really want to play on the emotions of the people and how they feel. And of course, I'm going to go get all kinds of celebrities, uh, comedians. And, uh, but eventually I'm, I'm, I'm working also on Celine Dion right now. So, so, so I had some good names now that already came in. And so if I get Celine, uh, that'll be fun too, because uh, we have a lot in common since we were on the road a lot at the same time. So all that to say, that's a marvelous, uh, uh, trip and then uh, you could go on YouTube and the most important thing now, John, is the uh, is the address to go get it. So it's Rougeau Podcast. Don't look for Jacques Rougeau. It's Rougeau Podcast, Father and Son. But the Father and Son is in French, uh, so it's Rougeau Podcast, and it's Père et Fils, which which is P E R E, and then it's and in English is E T like E. So it's Père et Fils, and Fils is F. I L S. So if I spell Pyre Fist together there, it's P E R E, a little space, uh, E T, like in the space, and then mm-hmm. space, and then Fist. F I L S. So Rujo Podcast Pyre Fist. So give me a couple of weeks there to put the uh, the English ones on there. Maybe a couple of weeks. Abdullah should start the ball. And we had just a blast. Me and Abdullah, we went back because Abdullah wrestled Mike. Eddie Oshie, my granduncle, and he wrestled my father, Jacques Rougeau, my uncle, Johnny Rougeau, my brother, Raymond, myself. And, and the first day that my son came into the business, my son, uh, JJ, Abdullah was in main event against me. So, so, so we had a lot of things to talk about. And uh, so it's all fun. It's really all fun. Now, will you be covering a lot of your career on the podcast as well? Will you be kind of going down memory lane? You know, I do. Uh, excuse me. I do in about every podcast I've been doing now. Uh, but to be honest with you, I think the hardest adjustment for me is is knowing that we have a guest that comes in our tiki house, and, and, and the the spotlight's on them. And I'm used to all my life that every time I did an interview, the spotlight's on me, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I'm the one I'm the one answering the questions. Now I got to ask the questions, and I got to shoot the limelight on my on my uh, my guest. And so, but once in a while I fail and I start bragging about something I did in the business or, or a good time that I had. And then my son looked at me funny, like, dad, it's not about you. And it's so funny. And I said, I know, I know, I know. But then, the, and then the guest jumps in and he said, and he said, oh yeah, I remember the Mountie when he had that shock stick. And it's a comedian talking or it's a, a, a singer talking. And so, so it, it makes it a lot of interaction, but I have an adjustment to make. I got to take the cameras off of me and put them on my guests. And uh, so far, we had a great, a great time. I think so. That is awesome. I mean, kind of really kind of going through your career, like you said, the spotlight should be on you in a lot of aspects. And you, you know, you mentioned the Mountie and the shock stick. Did you like that gimmick, the Mountie? I mean, it is so, you know, to a point, it's so over the top, but it's so memorable. And, and like you said, so many people will fondly remember the shock stick and things like that. I think most of the people, it's funny, when I make a comment about the, something like that, or, or we go back memory lane with the Mountie, the first first thing that comes out is the jailhouse match is when I went to jail. And, you know, everybody talks to me about that match when Big Boss Man shot me and I went to jail in, in New York precinct. 
and uh, and and that character was awesome because I had the opportunity, even though it was about a two day thing or a three day thing, I became the intercontinental champion, mm-hmm. which I made sure I took pictures of real fast to send them to my local newspapers because I knew it was only for two three days. But it gave me the opportunity to wear that belt and know the feeling, go on pay per view against Piper to defend my title. And so those are memory, really things that are fun. I think about Undertaker, my match I had with him. If you go on YouTube, just go Undertaker versus the Mountie. You'll love that match. I, I, I Sometimes I look at it and, uh, and I show it to friends, and they really enjoy that. I gave three pile drivers to Undertaker. So, but uh, but but he uh, he trusted me enough to give him three pile drivers. His, his head comes at one fraction of an inch of the ground every time. And uh, but I was special. I was I was good in that move, and and he trusted me. And uh, so all those things, I had some great times. And uh, but I bring them back in my podcast. And uh, but you know what? The most important thing for me is John is is uh, doing it with my sons. Like last week, I had my two sons with me in the podcast, and and I got three sons. And I so we still. I still live my passion. I closed my wrestling school two years ago, but but I and I closed my I closed my business, my my family oriented business two years ago because my sons didn't want to do it anymore, and that kind of put a friction between us, you know, because my dream just went to to ashes and 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 the fourth generation, but they but it was their lives. It's not my life. It's their life. So so it, there was a little adjustment to make uh, there. There was some adjustment to make, but now I'm I'm into this podcast. And this idea came from my son, who was a little far from me, distant from me, from the separation of wrestling and me. And now he's coming back. And so all my kids are coming back close. We're working together. We're, we're chewing ourselves up. We're arguing sometimes. It's fun. It's family things. And, but we, we come up with a product. And at the end of the show, when the, the night's over with the podcast, we, I see the joy and the sparkle in my son's face. And, and the fact that we're doing things, father and son, I think that's what life is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did he watch wrestling when you were kind of, you know, in your heyday in, in the WWF, or is he kind of almost uh, watching it for the first time? Was he always a fan? My son? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. My son was born in a ring. He wasn't born in a hospital. He was born in a ring. They were, <laughs> my, my, my son, Jay, was nine years old when he started professionally against midgets. I had oh, my God. Yeah, against Tiger Jackson, and he used to have the Dink, the clown, the clowner, Dink. Yeah, and, yep. Uh, and uh, he's from here, and and I set up Broken, little Broken was a little midget too, or half midget, half man, and he was like wrestling my son, and he was nine years old, and my son quit when he was uh, nineteen years old, uh, so so he did ten years with me, and and uh, he was there at the. Uh, uh, at the match with Hogan, I remember at the comp- press conference, yeah, I had him in my arms, my both sons in my arms, and one I think was four, the other one was seven or eight, and uh, so he's been following his dad uh, uh, since the beginning there wrestling, and uh, it's just that uh, he got tired of it after a while, and, and I understand him because it wasn't his passion for one, and he was, but he was doing it for dad, he was doing it for me, always doing it for me, but but he didn't, uh, I. It was every weekend. It was ever so he'd he'd go to school on the weekdays, and then all the friends would gather to have fun and all that. And him Saturday morning at eight o'clock, we'd go to the wrestling school, come back at three in the afternoon, and Sunday morning the same thing. Get up at seven in the morning, and come back at three in the afternoon. So that that uh, they they didn't have time to play uh, let's say uh, NHL on hockey on, uh, on the internet or on boy or stuff like that because I was captivating the whole weekends all the time. So I think. They didn't want to let me down for a long time, but they were getting frustrated and, and because it wasn't their passion. So at Jerry Park two years ago in front of 11,000 people, I did my last match with my three sons. I put an X on wrestling. I closed my company, closed everything. And here I am. And, I, I, and to be honest with you, John, I thought my life was over because I, I'm one of those kind of guys that just live for what I did since I was born. And and, and when that closed down, that, that, um, that road that came to a dead end, I, I I didn't, to be honest with you, I I didn't see where I, I would have a, a joy of living or you no, know, or just having a ambition anymore. And I, just like I died, and 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 then my father died last year. COVID arrived, and then I was really like fighting. The good thing about it is I've been working out every day for a year now. Just so my shape is awesome, like really awesome. For sixty years old, I look good. I think I could go in the ring for a couple of minutes still, you know. So, so I'm really I feel good about myself. And uh, now with this podcast coming, I never would have thought 
a year ago or a year and a half ago that I would still be happy or that I would still have a passion again. And so, so now I, 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 I meet all the super, cause I'm a Mark too, you know, I'm, I'm a groupie too. So every time I have someone that comes into my show, it's because I'm a groupie of them. <laughs> so I'm living a passion of meeting the people that I always wanted to meet. And at the same time, I'm shooting my wrestling in there, my stories, and they're freaking out on my stories. They love my stories. So, so I'm, I'm happy again. And you mentioned beating Hulk Hogan in Canada when you were part of WCW. That is quite an awesome moment. Clean victory over the Hulkster as well. I mean, very, very huge, especially at the time, very big deal. For my, for my merchant value, like my, my, the value of my, uh, of my image and uh, uh, how, what's, how can I say that in English? In French, we say valeur marchand, but it's like uh, what I'm worth on the market. And then when, when I beat Hulk, my uh what's the word i'm looking for my uh, my value like you know what i mean like if you after you beat hulk and you just you stop yeah yep. you, you move up in notoriety and uh, and uh, and things like that even in the eyes of the people when i made the front page of my hometown and because the night before i gotta tell you the night before i would have a little quarter page only in my local newspaper jacques rougeau against hogan tonight they didn't give a shit about it and uh and then uh, but when i won then there's a wave that happened everywhere. Every media picked it up, and it became front page, and it became everywhere. And that gave me a notoriety that, that helped me because I'm, in the meantime, at the same time, I'm giving conferences against bullying in schools. I'm working with society. I'm very close with the people and charities and stuff like that. So, so when my face appeared in the first page, I beat Hulk Hogan and all the uh, autistic kids that I go see all the time and those they just went nuts like you know their their problems went nuts so so that brought up my notoriety so that was good and so I think today uh, like I don't know how good this is to be honest with you I, I've always been an open book but I started my podcast 2 days ago and I got 2000 hits so I don't know how that is good or it's bad, I don't know, but I know I met a couple of people going to the restaurant already. Hey, I saw your podcast with Josh St. Pierre there. It was awesome. And and all and the few comments that I got here and there, the few comments were all extraordinary comments. Like, you know, and I understand, you know, you, you saw it and you liked it, but you didn't understand it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. But, yep. but I'll tell you a couple of things I did say in there is I, uh, I, I sent a message to Vince McMahon saying that, hey, uh, GSP wants to come wrestle for the. <laughs> he wants to come do a stunt like Ronda Rousey for the WWE. So I sent that message in there, and we made it clear, really clear. And, and and then I showed the angle with Hulk there to him because Hulk is his hero, and I'm his hero of GSP. So so he showed a picture. He I showed a picture of him and Hulk, and then he's going oh, and then I showed Hulk getting his ass kicked by me. <laughs> I said again. And when he slapped me in WCW first, and then when I came back at the airport when he got off before the the show that night at 5 o'clock, I went with all the TV crews, and when he went to get in the limousine, I got out and I slapped the shit out of him. I gave him a receipt from, from Atlanta, and I broke his tooth by accident. That was an accident. So, But that created an emotion. It's incredible. So, so well, you'll see it on the podcast. You probably saw it. If you didn't, go see it. It's on Rougeau Podcast. Uh, 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 father and son, but French, like I said, Père et and go see. It's worth it. Just the first one, GSP. When I nobody's seen that in the states. Of course, they didn't want to show anybody that I beat Hogan for a pinfall, a yep. clean one. But they didn't want to show me slapping two in the face like I did and broke his tooth. So, so if you want to see that, go see it on my podcast. It's boy, I'll tell you, he kicked my rear end that night. Though he was, he was pissed. He was pissed before he got in the ring, but that's part of the business. I told him, Hulk, I, I just wanted it to look good. You know, the camera crews are there, the TV crews are there. I just had to make it look good. And he says, well, you made it look good, brother. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, that was, uh, that was a good time. So I'm happy, John. And uh, I think everybody, when you hear the interview I do with Abdullah, it's so fun because you'll see there, he loves my brother Raymond and he loves my father a lot. And, and me, it's like, it's funny. He likes, I know he likes me because he, many times he let me beat him also, you know, and we did some good business. He came to work for my federation when I started like my 20 years ago. So I know Abby likes me, but it's like, I went into some nitty gritty. And I also, I went into the bruiser Brody thing. I want to, I want to get the real thing because, you know, he was sitting there. So, 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 so it's very interesting. I can't wait for you guys on the English side to get my podcast. Give me a, give me a week or so. And you'll start seeing some English podcasts too. But uh, but to be honest with you, like I said, 
for me, when I started this project, I thought it was like, uh, okay, uh, uh, we have an hour podcast, so we'll have an hour production meeting, and we'll put it together in an hour, and it'll be done. And then and after my first podcast, I spent 40 hours in the Jesus Christ studio putting the sound and the clips and the this and Oh my God! And then I said to myself, I'll never be able to do but one per week. You know, this is like too much work. But but when you're passionate and you love it, so so I think I'm gonna stick by two two per week. Like I'll do one on Thursday or Friday, and I'll do one on on Monday morning uh, for Monday. But uh, but let me get organized. To be honest with you, I, it's almost like sending a an electrician right now to do a plumbing job, but, but I'll get there. I promise I'll put everything together. May take some, may, may have a few leaks here and there, but uh, eventually, but the con, you know what? Someone told me this and I really enjoyed this, John. Someone told me you could have two examples in life. You could have the guy who has a great production, the best producers, the best everything. And they could have the so, so content content. Or you could have the guy that has great, great content, but his land mechanic is a little shitty. But at least if the content is good, people will stay hooked and they'll see you get better. And and I think that's what I have. I got great content, but I got uh, a diamond in the rough there putting my things together. But uh, but you'll see it's pretty good for an amateur. So And the bottom line is you get the stories and you hear the people talk and and the, uh, the surrounding is beautiful. Uh, it's like tropical. So anyway, enjoy. Enjoy it. How is your relationship with Raymond right now? I actually talked to him probably about uh, a month ago or so, maybe almost two months now. Um, he seems like he's doing pretty damn good, but how's your relationship with Raymond now? Uh, did you ask Raymond that? <laughs> he he said it was good, but I was just kind of curious of uh, from your perspective. Well, it's good. It's all good. It's all good. If he said it was good, it's all good. We uh, just haven't spoke like in six, seven years. <laughs> but really? Well, wow! He didn't but, mention but, but, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We he doesn't brag about it. Neither do I. And it's okay because it happens in in every family. Don't think it's only in the Rougeau family that two brothers fight. But uh, but it happens, and we don't. And the funniest thing now, I'm smart enough to know that it's not who's right and who's wrong. It's just different opinions. And and it's like sometimes you know you just don't see eye to eye, and instead of sticking around and and and, and uh, growling and grouching at each other and stuff, then sometimes you go each separate ways. And now when we meet, I met him at a comic con uh, two years ago. They asked me personally, Jacques, would you mind if Raymond comes with you? And I said, Nope, I don't mind. I hadn't spoke to him in seven years. I don't mind. And he came, sat beside me, and. How you doing? He says hi, and I was with. I had Carl Willett on one side for the Quebecers to sign. I had Raymond on the other side, the fabulous Rougeaus to sign with me, and I was there as the Mountie. So I had both on each side, and I was doing the three characters, changing my hat to my suit and this for every picture, and we had a good time. Like we, there was no animosity. We we didn't uh, uh, hug each other or nothing, but we were respectful gentlemen that met, and and uh, and, and I could live with that. I I, I like that. Yeah, very good. I think I was actually in New Jersey, wasn't it? Weren't you guys all together uh, in New Jersey? Could be, could, could yeah. be, could be. I, I, I can't remember, but could be. But it was a fun time. We had a great time. Now, how after was... you left there, and after we left the Comic Con, we haven't spoken again. <laughs> oh wow! So, so that's how, that's how the, it is. How's the relationship with Carl Willett, aka Pierre? How's everything with him? Well, he's my Facebook friend. I, I I don't talk to him very much either, but I comment his things. And I, uh, you know, I, um, but you know, when he went his separate way, uh, he did really great. And uh, when he won the title, I'm I'm the first one that that congratulated him with a picture on my Facebook. So we 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 don't talk that much, uh, but um, anytime, anytime, like I did last year, went to sit with him. I love it. Me and him, when we actually got together with Raymond on one side and him on the other side, me and him, we talk constantly, remembering the things that we went through and everything. So my relationship is good with uh, Carl. Crazy, right? The transformation of his career, right? The crazy PCO character. Uh, it's amazing. And, and uh, 50 years old. Yeah. Crazy. He's gonna, and I, he's gonna, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I remember you guys fondly, obviously, as the Quebecers, like you mentioned before. I mean, just uh, such a great team. It was uh, it was different. We came in with some new moves, and every move that we did, we needed each other. 
And so, 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 unlike it was different than with me and Raymond. Me and Raymond in the ring, I, I'll always consider us as one of the best tag teams ever, as far as communicating in the ring without looking at each other. We knew where we were, and, and that was that's brother like. That's just knowing your brother. And and Carl, <clears throat> Carl, it was more uh, many hours of practice, many many hours of practice, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, let me drink some water here. Hold on a second. You know us old men, we get that we have to drink water once in a while. (laughs) Yep. Oh, yeah. So me and Carl, it it was different. We had to create. It didn't come instinctly. Uh, How how can I say it? Instinctively? Yep. Like like Raymond and I. It was instinct. I knew if I did that move that Raymond was... I knew if there was a screw-up, I didn't even look at Raymond, but I knew how he would deal with it. Uh, That's how close we were, me and Raymond. And then when you're that close in the ring, you, the, 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 it just makes a difference. It's just like seeing a car that's like, let's say me and, car, uh, me and Carl, we were, uh, we were a car and we were coming out of a car wash. We look nice. We shine. But me and Raymond, we came out of the car wash. We look good. And then someone waxed our ass. And we we shine together. And then that extra wax that you put in the car, that's what me and Raymond was compared to another team or or uh, just a neighbor or a friend that's a partner that, instead of a brother. Yes. And Raymond mentioned this, and, and it's very, you know, out there and popular, that you guys won the tag titles back in 87, and then they took it away a day later. But there's pictures and stuff in the newspaper in Canada. So it's one of those things, wow, like the Fabulous Russo brothers were almost tag team champions. They kind of were for a day, and then it was taken away. Oh, what can I say? Uh, Politics, politics, politics. I don't think I'm going to get into that one. But but to be honest with you, we were working – I think we were kept on a a hope leash. (laughs) You know, like Hmm. – uh, I don't know how to say that. I, uh, it's like me when I won the Intercontinental title. Same thing. I had it for two days, three days. I think Vince has something about Quebecers being champions, and uh, that was the same for Martel and Bravo and everybody else. So, so they don't. Uh, uh, I, I think honestly that uh, we deserved a, a little run. Whether it would have been for two, three months, me and Raymond, we gave them four years of our time, and and, and uh, I think we gave them great matches as far as even when we were baby faces, we weren't drawing any money, but we were sure entertaining the people that were already in the house, and uh, and that's when we came to fabulous Russo Brothers with Jimmy Hart as our manager, we start drawing people, and so so you do four years and uh, and just with those guys, the Hearts. And uh, then I did with the Rockers another long run with Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, me and Raymond. Wow, we did marathon matches, hour-long matches. Uh, we flew one time. We did one in in, in England, Manchester, England, in, in the afternoon at one. And we flew to Montreal, it was or to New York. We flew to New York, and when we landed, it was one o'clock again because there's six hours of difference. So we left at one o'clock in the afternoon. We arrived in Philadelphia or New York. At Philadelphia, I'm sorry, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And that night we had another marathon match for an hour. So we wrestled an hour in Europe. We flew for six hours and we wrestled an hour in Philadelphia. And and and, and on that run when we were doing marathon matches, an hour matches and the one who wins the most fall, we kind <clears> of <throat> played a rib on Vince because we uh, when we got at the Madison Square Garden, we did the hour match. And, and 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 we all looked at each other, and we, we <laughs> Shawn Michaels and Raymond Marty did any of us. We said, "Okay, let's lay a rib on Vince tonight." So we went an hour through, and when we finished an hour through, it was six to six to falls. Like we both we each, we each won six falls or five falls each. It was even anyway. And uh, and then the the bell rang and the match said it's a draw because we are we we smartened up the referee to say what we wanted to do. So Vince was looking, what the shit? That's not what he wanted. And then I took the microphone. I said, you think it's going to finish like this? I want overtime. <laughs> and then <laughs> we went in the ring, and we got our ass kicked. And then they won the match. But but Vince loved it because it went like an hour and 12 minutes. We didn't go an hour and one minute. We went an hour and 12 minutes. And then Vince went nuts. He said, you guys, you know, God, this is pure talent. It's pure talent. So So it was all good. Yeah, amazing. Four amazing wrestlers in there. You know, the Rockers and, and the Rujos. There's no doubt about that. That tag division was so stacked. Like the Hearts, the, 
the Rougeos, obviously, the Rockers. Throw in the Bushwhackers are a nice, fun team to work with. Killer Bees, uh, the British yeah. Bulldogs, I mean, just stacked. The Islanders, it was the Islanders, too, at the yep. time. There was Tonga Kid and Tonga, I think. Tonga and Tonga Kid, the Islanders. And then there was, a, there was also another team that when, we, when I was finishing up, there was Samu, and uh, uh, they were the... Uh, they were Head the Shrinkers. The Head Shrinkers, yeah. They, they ruined my, my championship run. But uh, <laughs> I love Samu and I love them and uh, and uh, it's amazing Samu we go a long way because Samu in nineteen in nineteen eighty three before I joined the WWF in eighty five with Raymond in nineteen eighty three I went opposition to Dino Bravo in Montreal because we had a falling out and I did the main event against Samu and Pat Patterson was the one who came and got me in Florida I was working for the Fullers Robert Fuller and Ron Fuller. And they came and got me just to get into the, the action in Montreal. And I knew by putting me main event, especially I hadn't been in Montreal for a year because of the falling out with the Quebec organization. That, and, and as a matter of fact, when I went to the Verdun Auditorium, I worked Samu, the main event, and they put me over with my crossbody block off the top, a reverse, and, and uh, the roof took off. And then after that, I, I, Dino called me and they, oh, Jacques, Jacques, whatever you want, and come back. And so I, I came back because I had my boat there in Montreal, like, you know, about an hour from Montreal. And I had, I had a beautiful life. And it was short trips, and I was on the river all the time with my boat, water skiing and stuff. So I didn't want to leave that. And I was also afraid also of the WWF, knowing that they're all steroid heads, and it was crazy, the stories I was hearing. So, so finally in 85, then the... After, like, 83, I did that shot. For a whole year, Vince was calling me through Pat and through everybody. Uh, and uh, and finally, I told him, I said, hey, listen. I said, yes. I said, I'll come in at two conditions. I want a certain amount of money, and it was that. And I want to bring my brother Raymond in with me. If you take my brother Raymond with me, I'll go. And if I get we get that money, I'll go. But but the, the the truth is, is I knew with going in with Raymond that I had a great bodyguard with me the whole time because mm-hmm. Raymond's a tough guy. I'll tell you, he's a really tough guy. So so I didn't want to go in that jungle by myself. So 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 it was all good. Yeah, uh, he definitely has a reputation of being a tough guy, and I know he's got a boxing background as well. So not bad to have a you know older brother that's uh, pretty tough. Look, looking out for you. But you know what the, the thing is? It's not only that. You know, we do the small talk by saying, ah, oh, he's a tough guy, and he was a boxer and this and that. But the truth is, he was a uh, – he was a – I don't know how to say this. I'm not trying to say it. But uh, he was a ball and eye guy, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a, yep, yep. He, uh, he, he, uh, he didn't go by the rules, you know? Yeah, not fighting fair. Yep. And, uh, and everybody feared him. Like, you know, it's funny. And uh, so so, uh, so it was good to have him by my side there. Yeah, for sure. Now, as we hit the wind down and head towards the finish, I did want to mention this. The big match you had back in 94, the quote-unquote retirement match in the Soul Belt Montreal Forum. Just one of those great wrestling memories, you versus Pierre. That was awesome. That was awesome, awesome. When I when I actually decided I was going to leave WWF, Yeah. Uh, I asked Vince if uh, I said I'll do one more match in Montreal, but I want to have the uh, head shrinkers. You know, they're taking the titles, and they could do it at my hometown. But I want to shoot an angle with Carl where he he double crosses me, <laughs> and uh, and we came back for a match, and we we set up the ring in my backyard for about uh, maybe uh, two months, and we worked on that match. We worked and we repeated it. We took the bumps in the back of the yard. There was reverse pile drivers. There was Awesome moves, and and we came into the forum and, uh, and and into the. But let's put it this way: let's be honest. You could have the greatest workers, the greatest. You could have Macho Man against uh, Steamboat, but you know what? The bottom line is is um, the bottom line is is that um, if they don't, they can have the best knowledge. They don't practice together. They're not going to have the great match on the first time. And then there's going to be awkward places in the match. They're going to lose. And, and, and Carl and I, we weren't the best, best workers in the world, although we were good workers, but we had like two months of practice. So when we came in on the card that night, so everybody looks on the card, who's against who, it's not like they've been working every night against them all the time. So they're used to that match. So, so they, a lot of matches that were on that card uh, were, uh, were new matches. 
So, so, so when we came in with the quality of a match that was practiced and rehearsed for two months with guys that know what they're doing, you have you can have a really classic there, and that's what I think we had. Man, and the attendance was insane, right? I mean, 16,000, I guess, is what they said. I mean, sold-out building. It was just an unbelievable night for you. Yeah, it really was. And and uh, and the, the funniest part of all that, and it was a good thing for me, is that night <clears throat> there was a there was a, how do you say that in English? Uh, a strike. Uh, the baseball was on strike. The hockey was on strike. Remember that year? And yeah. The, the, yep. all, all the sports were on strike. So the newspapers were just rolling their thumbs. They didn't have anything to write about. So guess who they wrote about? <laughs> they wrote about our match. So we had so much publicity, front pages and all that. So, so it really, uh, it really, it, it worked. It worked in good, I guess. So. Now, do you have some other kind of favorite matches or maybe favorite opponents through your career? I mean, there's been so many of them, but yeah. is there something you can yeah. think of? Yeah, uh, no one would think I'd say that, but the guy that I used to love, love to work with was Tito Santana. Nice. Tito Santana, I we hit it off. We hit it off. I think I did WrestleMania eight against him, but. Uh, but 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 it was I loved the way he I loved the way he looked I liked the, I loved the way he worked he wasn't stiff I loved the way he took he he took care of his opponent he's a, was a he's a really professional kind of guy and uh, so I really like working with him a lot uh, to be honest with you but the, but my and my favorite guys to work with I, I can't hide it is uh, uh, I'd have to go with the Rockers and, and the Hart Foundation although Jim Neidhart was stiff once in a while. Uh, I got to tell you, we had some good matches with them, and uh, so so uh, and Big Boss Man, of course, and uh, but some other guys that I didn't like to work with as much, which I won't name any names. But uh, I'll tell you one match I really, really enjoyed a lot before the feud happened was against the Bulldogs. We had a 20-minute Broadway in Madison Square Garden before we had our feud, and uh, and our shooting backstage. I mean, not a feud in wrestling, but a really fight, and. Uh, but 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 when we worked with them in Madison Square Gardens, I, they were my idols. The British Bulldogs were my idols. I loved the way they. I hate. I wouldn't. We were completely against steroids. But I don't care. I love the way they look. <laughs> like uh, I, I have a little kid in me, you know. And I looked at those guys. Wow! And the presses and the moves and the, I, I was so impressed with them. And when we worked twenty minutes Broadway against them in Madison Square Garden, uh, that that was a memorable night. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and you know we we've talked to you about this before on the show, and we talked to uh, Raymond about it. You know, having to basically end the bullying of Dynamite Kid, and you know, basically, you know, you knocked him out or knocked his teeth out, and kind of ended his bullying ways. So that was a uh, a nice right hand. Well, well you know, it's, it's the, the funny thing about all that. To be honest with you, is I always said it publicly. I'm not embarrassed to say it. I'm not a fighter. I'm not an aggressive kind of guy. I'm more like an entertainer <laughs> that does wrestling, but. Uh, but then it's like, you know, I explained uh, the Rougeau family reputation and all that was more important than myself. So I, I, I just put all my, my, my being scared and all that stuff aside, and I managed to control my nerves and to do what I had to do. And, uh, but uh, it wasn't a good time in my life. I'm not proud of it. And everybody expected my brother Raymond to come and kick his butt, <laughs> and I'm the one who did it. So that was kind of a surprise. But uh, and to me too, <laughs> I, sometimes I look back and I wonder how did I do that. I I don't like to fight, you know. But uh, but I guess my back was against the wall and and it's like a little rat there. You put him against the wall, he could only be three inches long. But if you put a rat against the wall and he's cornered, he's gonna jump at you. And uh, I think I compare myself to that because uh, it's a it's a leap of death. I call it <laughs> not a leap of faith, but a leap of death when I, I, I when I. Just put my mind to doing that comeback backstage, but but uh, I, I was very very well uh, uh, hurt mentally when I got beat up in the dressing room the first time by him, and uh, uh, I, I I was uh, I was in a in a trance. I was uh, walking, putting one foot in front of my one foot in front of the other, just saying uh, I was humiliated. Humiliated? How did I say that? Uh, humiliated. Humiliated. Yep. Humiliated. Yep. And I was, uh, I hadn't, I, I, I was sad. I was, it was a bad time. And, uh, but all that to say that now, thank God it's all behind me and life is good. And, uh, uh, life goes on, I guess. 
Now, as far as, you know, like a legacy for the Rougeau family and, and kind of just like the stamp on the business, when people look back, what do you think is the legacy of the Rougeaus? You know, you, your brother, but your father and your uncle and everyone as well. What's the, the legacy on wrestling for the Rougeaus? What do you mean by legacy? I'm sorry. It's a word I don't understand. I've heard many times, but I don't think I understand. What, what is a legacy? So what it's almost behind? Yeah, it's like what, what you left behind or, you know, what people would think of you, kind of the stamp you left behind. It's almost like, hey, you know, let's say 10 years from now, people look back like, oh, looking at the history books is like, yes, the Rougeaus, great workers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I think that we have four generations of wrestling in my family, from my great uncle Eddie Oji to my father Johnny uh, Jacques, my father and uncle, and my the three brothers Miriam and Arma, my three sons who wrestled for 20 years. I think that uh, the people compare us, the Rougeau family, almost like the Morris Richard in hockey's, or uh, in, in the states it would be uh, I don't know the the, the Bradshaw football, or or uh, I think the Rougeau name will be. Uh, uh, how can I say that? Also, the uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a name there. Uh, the, the like in, in the days of Vince when he was first starting there, the, the big names there. I'm, I'm trying to think of the guys that have their pictures in my mind. But you know the icons of wrestling in those days, like the the not Valentine, but I'm trying to think of what were the great names that they had in New York there. Uh, Bruno San Martino. Yeah. Uh, so, Pedro Morales. Exactly. So I think that's what we are to the Quebec people, but what those guys were to the uh, uh, New Yorkers or American people. Now, as far as some plugs and everything, please, you know, make one last uh, push for the podcast and, you know, where everybody can get it. And again, you know, feel free to say that name again, because that is great. I love that. Well, thank you very much. And uh, if that name's too hard, I think it's going to be on Spotify soon and iTunes everywhere, but you could also go get it on, 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 if you write it in, in small letters, Rougeau.podbean. It's called P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. So it's JacquesRougeauPodbean.com. Or you could go get it on YouTube. You could go get Rougeau Podcast, Father and Son. But it's Pairefis, like I said in French. Eventually, we're, we're going to be uh, putting the English in the next couple of weeks. So, but it's uh, Rougeau podcast, uh, Pairefis, which is father and son. Just go get the dictionary and find what father and son writes like, and you'll you'll have the Rougeau. But don't look for Jacques Rougeau podcast. Uh, you look for Rougeau podcast, father and son. And if you want to look for Jacques Rougeau, then it's JacquesRougeau.podbean.com. And uh, anybody could go see it tonight, just look at it. And although you don't understand French, you'll see there's so many gestures and, and things that you'll love to see over the hour and 10 minutes. It's, a, it's an amazing podcast, I honestly think. I really enjoyed it anyway, and so did GSP. Nice. Great stuff. And, of course, got to mention this, the greatest theme song in the history of the WWF and in the history of wrestling, the All-American <laughs> Boys. <laughs> Jimmy Cruzos, right? Greatest theme ever, right? Yeah. We don't like heavy metal. We don't like rock and roll. All we like to listen to is Barry Manilow. Hey, we're all American, all American, all American boys. <laughs> the good old times, John, the good old times. <laughs> I love it. That's such a good theme, such a good stuff. Jimmy John. Hart, thank you, Jimmy Hart, for that song. I'll tell you. Yeah, awesome. Jack, thank you uh, so much for all the time tonight. Really appreciate it. And I want everybody to get out there and check out the Rougeau podcast, Father and Son. Jack, thank you so much. Thank you, John, very, very much. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading. Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment.